You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. But what is Christmas all about? Well, this, pa- this passage in Isaiah gives us clear clues on what Christmas is to be about. The prophet Isaiah is prophesizing with great joy about a future Messiah and Savior. Listen carefully to what he says. He says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This evening we're going to break that passage into three parts. I'm going to take the first part, then Sean, one of our new elders, will be taking the second part, and then Jamie, our children's ministry director, will be taking the third part. But I want us first to begin to see this powerful first part of the verse. It says, unto us. Unto us. Isaiah is saying he wants us to be amazed how beautiful it is that we are going to have a Messiah, a Savior. And why, why should we be joyous? Why should we be amazed? Why should we be, we be awed about this news? Because a child is born. This Messiah, this Savior, was going to be born as a baby. What does that mean to us? It means that, that we have a Messiah, we have a Savior, Jesus, who has experienced all that we have experienced growing up in this world. All the growing pains of childhood. The complexity of being a teenager, the joys and struggles of singleness, the pain and sorrow of rejection, the physical and spiritual pain of suffering. See, as Savior, Jesus, born in human flesh, we then can trust him, for he understands all that we experience, all that we go through in our lives. He truly, truly empathizes with us. There is no other one who can empathize and relate to us in a way that brings healing, renewal, and strength. But not only should we be amazed that a child is born and that child is Jesus, but a son is given. The Messiah is a gift to us. This is something we must receive. Jesus, the Son of God, is a gift, and, and it can be yours if you are willing to receive it as a gift of grace. Right? Christmas is all about receiving gifts and giving gifts. I love to give gifts. In fact, my son is frustrated because sometimes I'd rather give than receive. I like to receive gifts as well. But he thinks I have more joy in giving. And I do. I love to buy that creative gift or those gifts. But some gifts are more challenging and harder to receive. Some gifts make us swallow our pride. But there's no other gift that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. That means you are not somebody who can pull yourself together or live a moral or good life apart from a relationship of Christ. See, in order for us to know and experience saving grace, we must receive the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Never lose the wonder, the amazing 
the amazement of unto us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Think for a minute if the internal son of God had not been given up, if he had not come. There would be no good news of the gospel. Perhaps there would, there would be cures for certain fatal diseases, but there would be no cure for our sin, for our separation between God and man. There would be no Emmanuel, God with us. Instead of being near and accessible, God would be far, far away. The doors to God's throne room would be open and welcoming, but, but would say, no beggars nor sinners allowed, no room for you. There would be no victory over death, no refreshing bread of life, no light of the world, no expectation of eternal life. So can you imagine how rich this gift is to us? The rich, it is so rich that Jesus did come, that a son was given. But not only was, not only was a, a, born, a child born, a son given, we see in that last part of this part, a king has come. The Messiah, this child born, this son given, is king of all. It says this child one day will have the government upon his shoulders. Now anyone in leadership knows that a, how, what a burden it can be to lead. Good leaders understand the responsibility of taking care of their followers. Yet this child, Jesus, would soon grow and he will hold the office of king perfectly well. See, not only is this child the son of God who's come to save us, but he's, he's to be our king to rule over our lives, to be over our lives, to impact every aspect of our lives. We all know that there's areas of our lives where King Jesus does not rule. And so I ask you this, this Christmas season to consider those areas in your life. Is it your family life, your work life, your, your money life? Where are you needing to submit unto King, the King Jesus' rule? Where do we need to honestly and humbly confess to him that there are areas in your life that you need to submit to his control and rule, where you need to experience his forgiveness and grace, where you need to help, need help to trust him in those areas. See, he has come to rule with truth, but he's always ruling with grace. So let this Christmas, this Christmas, may you be awed and amazed as we sing of this grace, as we listen carefully to the words of the songs and the words that follow through our Savior being the wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are, you sent your Son to be born as a babe, to experience all that we will experience, have experienced, that you've given us a Son that we are to receive, and a King that is to rule our lives, because he knows much more, and he knows much better how to lead our lives than we do ourselves. Help us to submit to this Savior, to, to submit to this King, and to receive this Savior, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. As we look into this passage, I've been requested to help express the Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God portions. This left me with a lot of questions. What's the relationship between the passage, this chapter, this book, and this person? What's the author's point? Do we ask for his counsel, his wonder and might? What do we know of mighty? 
So if this passage was something more like a social media post, we might come across a person posting up like this. Hashtag humanity first, sponsored by Isaiah Prophecy LLC, in conjunction with God's promise. Atlas level work responsibilities, self-described world's best listener and empower, master of the universe and creator of infinite dad jokes and memes. <laughs> Keeping it calm in 100. So, sort of poignant that that's a little bit cringy to be read in our time. Therefore, more, it's more important why it was brought during Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah's time and made them uneasy, the people of God as well. It didn't make it untrue, but highlighted what truths to seek and showcases our humanly response to believe, or to, to disbelief, sorry. So, Isaiah tried to give us clues. These names are more description, adjectives with titles. Isaiah is trying to explain who will be coming. We can identify who to seek by the action in their office. This passage doesn't point to the power of this chapter or this book, but by the authority to, the, to expect of the person being spoken about. If Isaiah was writing a self-help book, then that's like saying anyone can be given a medical book and heal themselves. But we need a physician, someone who has interred that knowledge by experience, who authored that book, who knows the application it provides to help treat our wounds, our conditions, our pathologies. Sure, we can grab this Bible off the shelf to seek the truth in the message, but we need to grab the hand of our wonderful counselor that which sits open for us in our time of need, unabated and patiently waiting your grasp, your word, your questions, to have him reveal his mighty and everlasting answers. But often we seek our own understanding, especially in our conflicts. So time for some fun facts. If we look at each period of recorded history, getting into the finer details, we have to calculate only in days weeks and months, the periods of peace between all our global conflicts. This measure, last taken in 2003 by our historians, puts us at best in a world of peace 8% of the time of our global recorded history. This is captured at the national scale, not the individual scale. How much do we need counsel for our own quarrels and conflicts? How often are you at peace in your lifetime? Why so? Have you sought his counsel and the magnitude of his remedy? He knows and he has an ear first for you and an answer for you when ready to express its might, his control, his benevolence, and his preservation of the relationship you sought in him. An old Danish proverb says this, Someone who builds on everyone's advice will have a crooked house. How mighty it would be to first build off his word of advice than all of the others. Well, what do we know of mighty? Why would Isaiah prophesy of a child being born unto us who is from a low to no income family, who will be an asylum immigrant momentarily, born to a human teenage mother, and who is now conveyed as mighty, much less God? Isaiah knew. We have the power of the word. Mighty is still an adjective, synonymous in the Hebrew with strong and brave, 
characterizations of God's nature. Not a little miniature he-man coming out of the womb. <laughs> as a verb, we use might to indicate the past of may, as in having done something, presumption or possibility. We use a common phrase like, I might be late, to express this. But might also indicates requesting permission, purpose, possibility, and suggesting potential. Permission, like requesting from his father to take on our share of sins. Purpose, and committing to that sentence to die on the cross. Possibility, that there is resurrection in the life we leave unlived. Potential, for us all to share his joy and love. That is Christ's mightiness, and we know that might is like no other. Deuteronomy 10, 17. Amen. I want to tell you about this Messiah. He's, this was many, many years ago when I was in the field with some other shepherds tending for our sheep. Our sheep, you know what sheep are like? Yeah. They're hard to control. I had to kind of grab them and bring them back into fold. But we were just, we were in, we were in the fields with my friends, and all of a sudden, the angels of the Lord appeared, and we were all like, oh my gosh, what is going on? We were, we were filled with fear. The angels say, no, don't be afraid, shepherds. I bring you good news. With great joy, we want to announce that in the city of David, a baby's going to be born. The, the Messiah is born. He is here. We want you to go. And see this baby wrapped in wadding clothes. And so we did. We, we shepherds, shepherds, we had a terrible reputation. Why would angel appear to us? Why would these many angels appear to us and announce the good news? We were not respected. We were not loved in the community. Many, many thought we were criminals. And yet the angels, God chose the angels to appear to me, one of the shepherds, those many years ago. And so we rushed to see this baby. And we were not disappointed. There it was. The Savior was born to Mary and to Joseph, the Son of God, the one who's come to save us from our sins. Here was a baby. What I want to tell you, as he was born, as he lived his life perfectly, my Savior, my best friend, my Savior, Jesus, recently died on the cross for my sins and for your sins, so that you can have a relationship with him. That's why he came, born as a baby, born fully human, yet fully God, to save us from all our wrongdoings and to bring us into a relationship with you. That's what I want to share with you. As a shepherd who saw this Jesus, Jesus born as a babe, who, who, who I saw raised and lived and become my friend and become my own savior i want him to be your savior too will you pray with me will you too be awed and amazed at this baby that was born the good news that god has given us yes that's a picture of that baby right let's pray father thank you for bringing the message to so many unusual people people that we would not normally choose to bring the story to. And so, Father, we thank you that you brought the good news to the shepherds and, and to others, that we 
could then share that good news to others. And so that we now, as those who have received Jesus as our own Savior and Lord, can bring that good news to others as well. And may we stand in awe and wonder that he would choose us to bear that witness, to bear that grace. Oh, Lord, thank you for your love. Bless these children. May they may appreciate the Savior that has come to them and to save them and to bring them into a relationship with yourself. We praise this in Jesus' name. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, God, our everlasting Father, is our benevolent protector who ultimately shows his care for his people for us with the gift of his Son. God, our Father, is the Alpha and Omega. Our God is the beginning and the end. Revelation 1.8 tells us he is and was and is to come. We can take great comfort in knowing that it is our Father who rules the universe. These words from the book of Isaiah are prophecy, a message from God about what is to come. God's people, the Israelites, are waiting for this promised one to help them make peace with God, something they were unable to do themselves. We are reminded of God's incredible faithfulness and what Isaiah and other prophets say about a coming Messiah. Tonight, as Pastor Jeff mentioned when we opened, our guests who turn in their guest card to an usher today will receive a book, and it's called A Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. In this book, the author explains research from a mathematician that the probability of fulfilling all 48 prophecies in the Old Testament about Christ would amount to one chance, are you ready for this, in one trillion, 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 I'm not done, trillion, 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 that's 13 trillions. Amazingly, Jesus fulfills every single one of these prophecies. Many for things that couldn't have been maneuvered by humans. How could Jesus have picked his place of birth, his time of birth? The only way this could be true is if it was orchestrated by a powerful God. He is the eternal, unchanging, incredible, unshakable God. And this God wants to be our Father. Isaiah 9-6 also reminds us that Christ is our Prince of Peace, who doesn't want peace. It's been estimated that each year the self-help industry makes $11 billion from books, motivational speakers, and classes. We have more access to these resources than ever before because of technology, and yet 40 million people have anxiety. Is it possible that we might be looking in the wrong places for help? This book, God's Word to Us, contains the source of wisdom for ultimate peace. I have noticed in my own life that before I can experience the peace of God, I have to be honest about the things that are keeping his peace from me. About six years ago, I was struggling to be at peace because of unforgiveness that I had toward a family member who had hurt me and my family very, very deeply. No matter how hard I tried in my own efforts, I could not forgive her, and it robbed me of my peace. Until one day my pastor was preaching on forgiveness, and I knew that God was speaking to me in that message that was for my soul. My pastor encouraged that if anyone was struggling to forgive someone to come forward and to be prayed for, 
And so I did. I tentatively came forward, and my brothers and sisters in Christ laid hands on me and prayed for me powerfully. In that moment, I surrendered my anger, and the peace God gave me was lasting. That anger didn't come back. And that was also a major step in bringing healing to my loved one, whom I had forgiven. What proceeds that incredible gift of peace is often surrendering. We have to evaluate our hearts, our emotions, our thought life, and be really honest with ourselves. And then we need to go to God in prayer, surrendering those things to our Heavenly Father. Peace is Christ's ultimate goal, peace that passes understanding in the life of the believer. Our ultimate example in making peace is found in Christ. Christ, the Messiah, who has fulfilled all these prophecies, bringing ultimate peace by a sacrificial death for sinners, for us, enemies of God. Romans 5.10 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And because of that sacrifice, we are restored into a relationship of peace with God. We can also have peace with one another and within our souls because of the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit at work in us. Right now, in this holy place, you can begin that relationship with God by doing what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 10:9, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is your Lord. And if that is you tonight, our Nielsville Church family would like to be here for you. The church is God's design to encourage our growth and our relationship with this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, our everlasting father and prince of peace. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org.